Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Force. Join us now for a service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. I want to talk to you today uh, on the subject entitled, Man Up. Man Up. This is Father's Day. Touch your, touch your neighbor and say, Pastor, going to preach this morning. Now look at y'all, the neighbor, and say, Pastor, probably going to get in trouble this morning. <laughs> oh, my God. Who said he always does? Who said that? Who said, oh, that's Granny? I'm not fighting Granny Sue. Good Lord. I'll be in trouble for... Don't fall in there, Steve. Hallelujah. Is it nice? Okay. Praise the Lord. At least it's not skull. All right. I want to talk to you about man up. Let's pray. Father, we come to you right now. God, we thank you for the privilege and the joy that we have of being able to gather together around your word and learn from you and learn what your word says. God, I pray that you would touch me to be able to effectively communicate today. Touch the ears of the hearers to hear and their spirits and their hearts to receive, we pray. And Lord, may they receive what I'm teaching today in the spirit in which it is given. I pray, Lord, that they would understand, God, that this is your word and that we love them and care. And we give you praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Turn to a man close to you and say, Man up. I just want to warn you in the very beginning that there are parts of this that's going to be fun and there are parts of this that's going to be like, wow, did he say that? Okay? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 through 14, and I chose the Amplified for this because I felt like that it had a more of a, almost like a commentating uh, a way of saying this. It says this, Be alert and on your guard. Stand firm in your faith which is your conviction respecting man's relationship to God and divine things, keeping the trust and holy fervor born of faith and a part of it. Act like men and be courageous, grow in strength. Some of you ladies need to look at your man every now and then and just all you have to do is say, 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Act like men. All right. Let everything you do, this is talking to men, let everything you do be done in love, true love to God and man, as inspired by God's love for us. There is a deficiency in the American culture today of manhood. I don't, I don't want to keep talking about... Why, you know, because I'm really starting to sound old anymore. But when I was growing up, you know, I mean, how many of you, you know, I mean, I've, I've, told, I've told my son many times, you know, by the time I was 21 years old, I, was all, I had been working since I was 13. I mean, I went and found a job. And it didn't have to be the job that I liked or that I wanted, or it just had to pay. And if it paid money then I did it. My first job at 13 years old was in the summertime and, and sometimes on Saturday shoveling sand in Little Rock, Arkansas into a sand hopper over my head in a sand blasting plant. I wore long sleeve shirts and I still blistered through the long sleeve shirts. 
and I made $3.25 an hour. Now, some of you say, that don't sound like very much. Well, you need to talk to some of these old guys around here. <laughs> they worked for like a quarter an hour in the cotton fields. And, they, and, and, they, and so I worked very, very hard, and, and I learned how to work. And I learned how to be proud of that check because when I came home at 13 and 14 years old, most of the time, Mama got most of it because I could eat and I needed to pay for my food. Stay alert and on guard. The Bible says, 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, Accordingly then, let us not sleep as the rest of you do, but let us keep wide awake, let us be alert, let us be watchful, let us be cautious and on our guard, and let us be sober and calm, collected and circumspect. A man today needs to stay alert and stay on guard. We need to stay alert over our family. We need to stay on guard over the enemy that tries to war against our family. We need to stay alert and on guard against other people that will try to come in and try to create problems for our family. We need to keep security in our family. How do I do that? By watching and praying. Here's what the Bible says. We should always be mindful of the place that we're living in biblical prophecy. We should understand that we are living in the day and age that Jesus is getting ready to come. Now you say, well, I've heard that all of my life and he's not come yet. Well, the Bible said in a time when man thinks not, then shall appear the coming of the Son of Man in heaven. So the fact that you are saying that he's not coming because he hasn't come yet, first of all, that doesn't make any sense. Or does it? And, and, second, and, and secondly, you're fulfilling Bible prophecy. Because the Bible says in the last days that knowledge will increase in the land. And people will think that they have kind of reasoned this away, the fact that Jesus was going to come. Well, we need to, we need to provide security to our fa for our families, security for our wives, security for our children, security for our extended families by watching and praying. And that means that we need to be mindful of the day and age in which we live. It's my responsibility as a father to get the point across to my children that even though your philosophy professor in college told you that Christianity is just another philosophical religion, it's my responsibility to let them know that's not true. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. So they'll try to explain away the concept of Calvary. They'll try to explain away the concept of the blood of Jesus. They'll try to explain away the concept of Christianity by calling it just another religious philosophy. But what Christianity has that no other religion has... Anybody want to tell me? Is a Savior who's still alive. Hello. Now... Watch and pray that we enter not into temptation. 1 Thessalonians, let, let's go there in your Bible. Turn, turn in your Bible to 1 Thessalonians. Come on, guys, turn in your Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to do this like a Bible study this morning because we're going to get into some things here that's going to be a little bit, ugh, okay? But 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the Bible says in, in verse number 3, and I'm going to read it in the New King James. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. This is talking about the day of the Lord. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night 
nor of darkness. It would not surprise me at all if Jesus came today. Wouldn't surprise me if he came tomorrow. Or that, why? Because I've prepared my heart. And the Bible said that we need to prepare ourselves so that it doesn't come upon us as a thief. So Jesus really is coming again. And that's the point of watching and praying. Our security comes through our faith in Christ. Our security comes through our confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 11, Therefore encourage, admonish, and exhort one another, and edify, strengthen, and build up one another, just as you are doing. As, ne as men, we should encourage each other to watch and pray. And we need to man up and admit, and admit that we need each other. One of the hardest things for men to do is to admit that they need somebody. You know, once you, once you cross that bridge and once you get to the point where you realize, you know what, I don't have to do life alone and I really can have some brothers, you know, and, 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 and sisters in the Lord, but especially brothers in the Lord, I really can have some brothers in the Lord and, and get involved in a ministry maybe like Club 133 that we have here, which is the men's ministry, which is almost like a brotherhood. And when you get involved in it, you, you begin to realize how valuable that can be because you draw strength from one another. And you encourage one another. Listen, now, <laughs> there are just some things that men need to talk about that a woman cannot answer. I know every single man in this place is scared to death to say, Amen, Pastor. <laughs> but it's true. There are some things we just need to talk about that our wives just wouldn't understand. And I, that's no throw off on you, on you ladies. But it's true. Men, we need each other. Turn to, turn to a man close to you and say, Bro, I need you. So we need to man up and admit that we need each other. Now listen, listen. Men, your sons need you. They don't need you to be an absent daddy. They need you. Sons, you need your fathers. And your daddy needs you. We need each other. As men, we need each other. Why? So we can encourage one another. So we can admonish one another. So we can exhort one another. So we can edify, which means to build up, to strengthen and build up one another just as you are doing. And there's something about it when men get together and they spend a little bit of time together, there's something about it when they come back home, they just feel you know, and the wife kind of likes it when the man's kind of... Mm. Tony messes with me. Our drummer, he messes with me. I'm telling on you, Tony, where you at? Where are you at? Oh, he's back there in the back. He gets out of the drum cage just a few minutes ago, walks past me, he says, I like your muscles. <laughs> he knows I've been working out. I said, thank you. Thank you. Now, that's because I tell him he's a big fish in that fish tank. We need each other. Now, how are our sons ever going to learn how to act like men and conduct themselves like men if they're not around men? We can't leave all the raisin to the mama. 
I'm, I'm getting ready to, to handle something here, and this is, this is my response to the Orlando shooting. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to talk about it for just a few minutes, okay? In America, we have a thing called freedom. This was not an attack on just a particular lifestyle. It was an attack on America. The liberals are trying to politicize this and make this all about the LGBT community, but it's not about the LGBT community. This is about America and the freedom that we enjoy here in America. The goal is to silence Christians, but God's word still tells us to act like men. Now, you guys know that I'm fairly politically active, and so you knew I would have to have a statement about this, but here's the point that I want you to understand. Newsflash, this is not hate speech. This is not hate speech. This is what the Bible says. Just because I don't agree with your lifestyle doesn't give me the right to shoot you. And contrary, and we'll talk about it in just a minute, but contrary to what the liberals want you to think, when a preacher gets in the pulpit and ministers what the Bible says about particular things, that doesn't mean that they're up here hating on you. No, it doesn't mean that at all. The Bible said that we are to act like men. And just because we preach and teach what the Bible says about God's rejection of homosexuality, there I'm saying it, God's rejection of homosexuality does not mean that we are practicing hate speech. And hang with me because I'm going to read to you out of the Bible where the Bible actually in the New King James Version names this. Now, this doesn't mean... Now, it, what happened in Orlando was completely wrong. You should never shoot somebody just because they don't believe the way that you believe. We don't have the right to do that. But what frustrates me is that they're trying to make it about something that it's not about. And it's an assault against the church, and it's assault, an assault against the teachings of Scripture, which means it's an assault against God. And we as Christians have got to take a stand in a loving way and let God's love win the day. Win the day. All right, now. God's view of homosexuality is found in Romans chapter 1, verses 21 through 32. And that's one, and we'll, we'll, actually, we'll actually read that later. I want to go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. What I'm saying is you can read that later. But let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, verses 9 through 11. And this is in the New King James Version, and this is what the Bible says about it, church. The Bible says, but brother goes... Um, Actually, verse number, here we go, verse 9. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And then look at verse number 11. It said, And such were some of you, but you're washed, and you're sanctified, 
and you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And let me say this. Let me say it with boldness, but with as much love as I can say it. You know, it doesn't matter what they're trying to get us to say or not to say. What matters is the Bible says homosexuality is sin. That's, what's, that's what matters. And in America, I have the right to stand here and say that without going to jail. Now, will I get attacked? Absolutely. But that's okay, because I'm a man. And men stand up for what they believe. They project themselves in a loving way where the love of God can... But they don't back down because the liberal left said, Boo! We stand up for what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. And this is what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to get us to shut our mouth about what the Bible says. Now, listen, we love you and so does God. And so does God. But He will not embrace and bless an attempt at the redefinition of His family plan. And so we as Christians should not embrace that also. So some people say when you, when you read scriptures like that and when you preach things like that and when you teach things like that, because I'm teaching you to act like a man, you know, when, when we do this, some people say that we're practicing Practicing hate speech. Well, what you're saying is you're accusing God of practicing hatred against you. And that's not true. It doesn't listen, I preach against drunkenness, but I don't hate the drunkard. I preach against lying, but I don't hate the liar, and neither does God. And my question is, is this hate speech? Is it hate speech for me to get up here and tell you that the Bible says we're not supposed to be fornicators, where the Bible says that we're not supposed to have sex before we get married? That's what fornication is. Is that hate speech? That's not hate speech. It's what the Bible says. God doesn't hate you, and we don't hate you. Just because I don't agree with your lifestyle doesn't mean I hate you. I don't hate you. I don't hate you. And some people say, well, you just hate the sin. Well, I don't embrace the sin. I don't embrace it. But in America, now this is where I'm probably going to get myself in a little bit of trouble, but in America, you have the right to have your opinion and I have the right to have my opinion without either one of us getting shot for it. And it just so happens, and I've read to you in the Scripture, and there are, there are three other places in the Scripture where the Bible addresses the sin of homosexuality and lesbianism. And that's what it is. It's a sin like drunkenness. It's a sin like lying. It's a sin like fornication. And the Bible said, such were some of you. So what he was saying there was he said, some of you were homosexuals. He said, but now you're washed. But now you're clean. But now you're sanctified. But now you're purified. In other words, he says... He said, you lived in this lifestyle and, this is how the, and then you saw that the Lord could set you free and you saw that this is what, you know. And so it's not hate speech. Just because we don't embrace sin doesn't mean we hate you, just the opposite. How can we say that we love you if we don't tell you the truth about something that will offend God and keep you out of heaven? Right. 
So man up. Man up, men. Man up and act like a man. Act like a man. Don't go around pointing accusing fingers. Ah, ah, ah. Don't be doing things like that. But man up and act like a man. Don't get mad at me. If you're mad at me right now because of what I'm teaching you, then you've got to be mad at God because it's right there in the Bible. And God loves you enough to tell you things that offend Him. And He loves you enough to tell you that you ought not to be doing that. And if you do it, the Bible specifically says you will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we need to man up and we need to act like men. And we need to do it with God's love and God's care. And we don't need to let people swoop in there and take advantage of a terroristic attack and turn it into something that it is not. We have to stand up as Christians and let our voice be heard. What if we were as loud as the enemy what if we had a backbone like they did? We, we've, we've got to learn how to man up. All of this takes courage. It takes courage. It takes courage for me to stand up and preach to you the truth. It takes courage for you to stand up for what the, God, what, what the Bible says and what God says in His Word. It takes courage and courage is contagious look I mean here, here's Papa Duck standing on it you might open your mouth dude but you ain't getting one bite and look there's mama and baby and they're coming along behind I don't know mama baby coming along behind courage is contagious when we stand up for what the Bible says and when we stand up for what the Word of God says then it will strengthen others and encourage others and admonish other men and other women to stand up and take the stand against what the enemy is trying to say. Strength versus courage. Strength is power. It's physical. Strength is physical. Strength is political. <laughs> now get this. Courage is guts. Courage is guts. It's emotional. It's motivational. Listen, you can have all the strength in the world. You can just have all of that strength, but it takes guts to stand up and use it. It takes guts to stand up and use it. Courage is bravery, that quality of mind which enables men to encounter danger and difficulties with firmness or without fear or depression of spirits. It's boldness, resolution, and valor. That's what courage is. So I'm encouraging every single man here today to stand up and be courageous so you know what the Word of God says, so you're strong in the faith, so you pray, so you're trying to lead your family right. There are times when you've got to take it beyond your prayer life and beyond your Bible study and beyond your conversations around the table. There's times when you have to stand up and man up and stand for something for one. That takes courage. That takes courage. Now, biblical examples of courage. David versus Goliath. That's Pastor Josh, and that's me. That's steroids, and that's raw muscle, baby. 
David stood up against Goliath while an entire army was hiding behind trees and behind bushes and behind hills and Goliath was out there mocking them and criticizing them and David comes just to bring lunch to his brothers and he hears this guy standing up and David starts running saying who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God that an entire entire army with no courage no courage why because the giant was loud and the giant was skilled and the giant was big. David is running around making this statement and they take him before the king and he looks at the king he said, hey, he said, when I went out, he said, there was a lion that came against my father's sheep and, 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 and the spirit of the Lord came upon me. I took care of him. And, and, and there was a bear that came and the spirit of the Lord came upon me. And I, I took care of him. And so Saul said, well, you go right ahead. Here, try my armor. So he puts on this armor that he never had on in his life and he stands before Saul and he said, there's no way in the world. You can read this in 1 Samuel chapter 17. He said, there's no way in the world that I can use this armor. And Saul's like, how come? He said, because I haven't tried it and I haven't proven it so in other words it's something foreign to me he said keep your armor I'm going to go down to the brook get myself five smooth stones and I'm going to go take care of this problem that's courage now why did David pick up five smooth stones did you think he was afraid he would miss no that's because there were five giants in the land in that day and they were all brothers and related and David was ready to take on the whole family if he had to. Amen. Courage. So what happens is the Bible said that while he was a long way off that Goliath, he said, what do you think I am, a dog that you send a lad out against me? And while he's a long way off, he throws his spear and misses. You know why he missed? Because David was, read it, running towards him. David was advancing toward the enemy. He was advancing toward that giant. And the Bible said that he ran toward the giant. And he took that stone and he let it go and it hit him in the forehead and it stunned him. And read it in your scripture. The Bible said that David went and took Goliath's own sword, stood upon the giant, cut off his head, lifted up his head, and all of a sudden that army that had been hiding forever got courage. They got courage and they chased the Philistines down and ran them out of the country and defeated them because there was one lad who had the audacity to say, you come against me with a sword and a spear, but I come to against you in the name of the God of the armies of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And because of it, God gave them a great victory that day. When you are courageous as a man, when you stand up and you say, you know what? It might not be politically correct and it might not be popular and there might be some people that hate me. In fact, there might be some people that attack me for the stand that I'm taking, but I know this stand is right because the foundations of it are in the Word of God and as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord and we're going to put our feet up on the foundation of the Word of God. When you make up your mind you're going to do that, then courage will begin to rise inside of you and somebody somewhere will look at 
at you and say, if they can do it, so can I. And they'll stand up. And then somebody else somewhere will say, if they can do it, so can I. What are we building here at Lakewood? We're trying to build an army of believers that stand with their feet upon the foundation of the Word of God. And I challenge every single man who's carrying testosterone this morning to stand up and man up and have some courage and stand for what God's Word says. I'll lead. I said, I'll lead. That's what I'm doing right now. Book of Nehemiah. Sam Ballot and Tobiah and all of them coming and telling Nehemiah all kinds of things. Nehemiah had it in his heart to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. There came a point, and just read the book of Nehemiah later today or this week. Just a few chapters in that entire book. But God had put it in his heart to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And there came a time, there came a time when they actually had to have a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. Courage. Courage. The enemy trying to get you off the wall. The enemy's trying to get you uh, from building your family. The enemy's trying to, to realign your focus. Every single thing, every single thing, that Sam Ballot was telling Nehemiah was based on a rumor. Every single thing. Read it. Read it. I challenge you today. You might have to fight a battle, but don't quit building your family. You might have to fight a battle, but don't quit building your faith and continue to grow in God. Once you start going down the family road, it's, a, it's not a matter of if you're going to be attacked. It's a matter of win. So we have to grow as men. We have to grow in strength. I'm going to have um, Marcus come up here and, and uh, Pastor Josh, I want you guys to come and help me for a minute here. And I actually need this chair right here. And uh, Michelle's going to help me here in a little bit. But I want you guys to stand right here for just a moment. Okay? Or sit right here. Marcus, go ahead and Josh, go ahead and get him his little dumbbells there. I, uh, I couldn't you do better than that? Come on, man. Look at this. All right, hang on, hang on, hang on just a minute. Okay, we got to learn to train for the battle. Now, I asked Marcus to help me because I've known Marcus for about three years now, and ever since I've known him, he's, he's worked out, and, and he's got muscles in places. I don't have places. And, <laughs> Are you all right, Marcus? You're good. Okay. All right. So I asked him if he would help me because I, I, I want to illustrate something here. And Josh is just kind of standing there. Uh, and, you know, there's really no reason for him to be here because he's supposed to be your spotter. But with, come on. Okay. But anyway, that's all right. That's all right. But I'll, I'll make that point in a minute. It's not a matter of if we get attacked. It's a matter of when. Touch your neighbor and tell them, if you're in it to win it, you're going to have to fight a battle. So, so here's, here's what I want us to understand today. We have to learn how to train. We have to learn what to use and how to use it. Now, Marcus, there's a certain way you have to sit in that chair, right? 
bobblehead Marcus. Oh. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm going to treat him nice. I just went like that and I felt more muscles. I'm going to treat him nice. I'm going to treat him nice. But no, you got to have your back, you know, up against the chair and things, especially if the weight's heavy and things like that. Okay, now, is there a certain way that you have to, I mean, you breathe, a certain way you breathe, there's a certain way. Breathe in, breathe out. So in other words, just breathe. Yeah, okay. Breathe in, breathe in, breathe out. But I know you keep twisting your, you got to keep twisting because you're working on a particular muscle group, right? You're working on the biceps, okay? Now, what if you just went like this? That's working on the forearm, okay? And all that was was just a small adjustment. That's the point I'm trying to make here. You gotta know, you gotta know what to do, you gotta know how to do it, you gotta know when to do it. You have to learn how to train. We have to learn how to train. We have to, and and if we had more weights here, you know, we we could illustrate this a little bit more, but this is you're understanding what I'm saying. Now there comes a time when you're really in heavy training that you need somebody to spot you. And what that means is if you're under a bar or something like that and it gets to where you can't get it up, then sometimes them just simply putting two fingers under that bar and just giving a little assistance coming up can just make all the difference in the world in getting that, and getting that bar back up. But if, if it wasn't for that small pressure, then it would fall on your chest and create problems for you breathing. So the bottom line is it, when we train, we got to know how to train. We got to know what to train. We got to know how to operate, and we need somebody to help us. See, he's he's done a few uh, weights himself. You know, <laughs> we need somebody. We need someone to help us. Okay, and you got to have someone competent enough to help us. Now, if Marcus is, I, I don't know, what can you bench? <laughs> Toss an impressive number up there without lying. 315. He can bench 315. All right. As a warm-up. <laughs> now, listen to me very closely, okay? I'm not going to help him at all as a spotter at 315. There is absolutely no way. I wouldn't go near him. I would be hollering, It's going down! He's not going to get it up! Call 911! But you take somebody that's got guns like this and he could help you. Here's the point I'm trying to make. It matters who you let help you. It matters the people that you allow in your life. You don't want people in your life that's going to keep you in chaos all the time. You don't want people in your life that's going to keep you in confusion all of the time. You don't want argumentative people in your life. They breed nothing but chaos and they attract drama. You don't want them in your life. Get with people that are focused, that know how to study the Word. What's he doing when he's training? If we take that and make it spiritual, he's studying to show himself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's one thing knowing the word and it's another thing knowing how to use it. You get that. You get that. Oh, well, I just prayed. I just prayed. I just prayed. I'm just praying. Well, what, what, what are you doing when you pray? Well, I just asked the Lord for this and I asked the Lord so you're petitioning. So you're just petitioning. 
and you're calling it prayer because that's what you've been taught all your life that if I'm going to pray, I'm going to kneel down. I'm going to start telling God everything that I need. That's petition. There's other kinds of prayer. There's other ways to pray. The prayer of faith, the prayer of agreement, the prayer of declaration, supplication, petition before the Lord, worship, adoration. A lot of those things should precede petition. Petition should be this much of a prayer that's this big. But what the enemy has done is he has convinced us that this much is real prayer. And this much is not real prayer in itself. It's just petition. That's why training is important. What's the Bible say? The Bible says, come into his presence with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. So we have thanksgiving, we have praise, we have blessing. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. So, you do. so we enter into His presence through thanksgiving. We don't enter into His presence through petition. We enter into His presence through thanksgiving. Are you getting the point? You see what I'm saying? So it, that's why it matters. It matters who you let be involved in your life. And sometimes we need each other. Now, uh, Marcus, if you'll just set those down for a minute and stand up. And just stand right over there by me, okay? Now pull your shirt arms, pull, pull, pull them up. Come on, let me see your muscles. Cause I've, I've, no, no, come on. I've got, I've got to illustrate this. Just pull it up a little bit. Uh, you told me that you would not get, you told me you would not get, okay. All right, now, I'm the devil. I'm the devil. All right, now, I'm, I'm just illustrating that I'm the devil. Somebody will take that and clip that, and it'll be on YouTube for the next 150 years. He said he was the devil. Okay, when the devil comes to attack you, and I come to him and I'm thinking, man, you know, I, I'm going to come and get him. I'm sick and tired of the way. He's... And he walks up to him and all of a sudden he sees that gun and he's like, oh, wait a minute. You know why? Are you ready for this? Because the devil's used to attacking weak Christians. Why do we train? Why do we spiritually condition so we can look like this spiritually? And you're getting a little light there. You need to start working out. <laughs> but we need, to, we, need to, we need to spiritually condition. So when the devil comes against us, then he can look at us and say, wait a minute, I didn't prepare for this. I think I'm going to go and mess with somebody that I have a better chance with. I think it's time that you and I, men, man up and pay attention to our spiritual condition and start working on conditioning ourselves so when the devil shows up, he's intimidated by our presence. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, all right, all right, all right. You guys can sit down. Now, uh, that's okay. Here, can you help me get this? Yeah, just go ahead and... Uh, that, just leave it there. That's fine. All right. All right. All right, now. Oh, Lord. Every champion was once a contender that refused to give up. Sylvester Stallone, a.k.a. Rocky Balboa. Et. Balboa et. Right there. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and 11, not, we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. The Bible tells us that if we are ignorant or unlearned of Satan's devices, that he has an advantage of, uh, against us. There comes a time when the enemy will come to you and, through, and he'll look at your training and he'll say, I can handle that. 
And there comes a time when you have to quit training and start fighting. Now, training is different than fighting. We have to learn the enemy's devices. We have to learn how he, how he tries to sneak in there, how he tries to make it. We have to do those things. We're talking about manning up this morning. We've got to be tough, strong, and smart. And smart. Because the enemy is like a roaring lion roaming the earth, seeking whom he may devour. And guess what? We can conquer him if we're prepared. The Bible said if we submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from us. There comes a time when we've got to start fighting the devil. There comes a time when we've got to take a stand. And so I've asked uh, Michelle here because I know that she does a little bit of boxing and a little kick and stuff like that. And there comes a time when you've got to punch him in the face. There comes a time when you've got to say, all right, devil. There comes a time. And when he, get, and when he gets up, what happens? Man, he really got hit hard, didn't he? When he gets up, what happens? What you got to do again? You got to say, I ain't taking it. I ain't taking it. I'm putting you down, devil. Come on, put him down. Put him down. Whoa, there he goes. Are you getting what I'm saying? Listen. All right. This is, this is, this is a man. Okay, you're scaring me. You're... <laughs> there comes a time. Now listen to me very close. This is, this is Father's Day, so I can use a little bit different language than normal. There comes a time when you just need to knock that sucker out. There comes a time when you got to say, you know what? I'm sick of you messing with my family. I'm sick of you messing with my mind. I'm sick of you messing with my finances. I'm sick of you messing with everything that pertains to me. And I come against you right now in the name of Jesus because I'm studied up and I'm prayed up and I'm fasted up and I'm ready. So come on, devil! <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. What king going out to engage in conflict with another king will not first sit down and consider and take counsel whether he's able with 10,000 men to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? That means we've got to be prepared. If he can't do so, when the other king is still a great way off, he sends an envoy and asks for the terms of peace. Instead of us trying to gain peace with the enemy, the enemy needs to try to start gaining peace with us because we are such an intimidation to him. The last thing I want to talk to you about is stay in love. Stay in love. What if we woke up today with the only things that we thanked God for yesterday? Think about it. Staying in love. Lord, I... Oh, come on now. There we go. All right. Lord, I thank you for... I thank you for my kids, Lord. So I got them today. I thank you for my wife, Lord. So I got her today. Lord, thank you for Jazzy. I just love my grand dog, Lord. You've got to stay in love. That's what the Bible said. I read it to you at the beginning of the message. We have to stay in love. Ephesians 5.25, the Bible says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. It's not always, I mean, love is an emotion, but it's really more an action than an emotion. And anybody that's been married over two years knows that. Christ's love... Uh, work for the church is threefold. It's past, present, and future. For His love, He gave Himself to redeem the church. For your love, for the love that you have for your wife, you should give yourself to pay whatever price is necessary to keep that love relationship going. The second thing is in present, in love, He sanctifies the church or sets it apart for Himself. Sanctification is the act 
of pulling something together and making it holy, pulling it apart and making it holy. Number three, for the future, for the reward of his sacrifice, Christ's labor of love, he will present the church to himself in flawless perfection as one pearl of great price. So we've got to stay in love with our wives. And then the Bible says that we need to love our kids. That's right. Men, don't just leave the loving up to mama. Love your kids enough to gross them out. 3 John 1, 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. We need to man up. We need to man up. We need to take responsibility for our families. We need to take responsibility for our wives, for our kids, for our faith. We need to act like men. And we need to be big enough to admit when we need our brothers and our sisters. Has this helped you? Let's all stand. I want to thank um, Pastor Josh and Marcus for helping me today and Michelle. I want to thank her for helping me too because I sure would have hated for her to have to hit me instead of that. <laughs> she was putting the hurt on this little martial arts thing. Hallelujah. Now let's just close our eyes for just a few moments. I know I've preached probably a little bit longer than I normally do, but I felt like I needed to get this out today. I feel like it's crucial that on Father's Day today that every single man recommits himself to actually being a man. There's a lot of challenges in the society in which we live today. There's a lot of things that we face that, that men didn't face 15 years ago or 20 years ago. There's a lot of things that we have to face today. That, and, you know, it takes guts, which is courage. And it takes strength, which requires training. And sometimes it takes the conscious decision to go to war for what we believe. I'm not talking physically. I'm talking we've got to go to war on our knees through prayer. We have to go to war in the, in the um, uh, room full of ideas. We have to influence the culture. We have to put ourselves in positions where people are not always going to celebrate who we are so we can influence the culture in those rooms for Christ. How did Madeline O'Hara ever get prayer out of public schools? Nobody stood up and said, no, you don't. And thank God now, I think it's Mississippi has just passed a law within the last month to put prayer back in school. Jesus, help me here. I'm talking about being a man and manning up. Why is it right to allow a Muslim child to pull out a rug in school and bow toward Mecca five times a day, but it's wrong for Christian children to stand in the school and pray the Lord's Prayer? Man up! We got to man up. 
is not hate speech. This is called taking a stand. That's what we've got to do. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we just come to you at the end of this service today. And God, we thank you, Lord, for the way that, that, that you can challenge us through your word. And God, I pray, Lord, that the message that I've shared out of your word today, Father, I pray, God, that it would throughout this week that you would just bring it to the remembrance of many different people that are here. God, I pray that they would take courage from it, that they would draw strength from it. I pray for every single man in this place today. God, I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen them. God, that you would encourage them, God. That you would give them a courage that's inside of them that they didn't know existed. And God, I pray that they would step up, God, that they would rise up, God, like a mighty army of believers to take a stand for God in this last day. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would just guide them and that you would direct them and that you would give them power with God and favor with other men. Father, that you would put them in places of authority, Father, where they can influence culture for you. Father, we give you the praise for that. We give you the honor, God, and we give you the glory. God, we surrender to your will for our lives. I want every man in this place just to raise your hands now if you'll pray in agreement with me. And I just want you to say, Lord, I surrender to your will for my life. Come on. As a man, it's hard for us to do that, but we need to surrender to God. God, I surrender. I surrender to your will for my life. I surrender to your will for my family, God. God, I'll let you mold me. And God, I'll let you make me. God, I'll let you work on me. And God, I'll let you train me. Because God, I want to be the best I can be for you and for my wife and for my kids and my grandkids. God, oh God, I surrender. Come on, every man in this place, just God, I surrender. Come on, Lord, I surrender to you. I surrender to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number 4, Jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and Thursdays 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.